Welcome to the 181st episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Today we are recording on May 18th, 2020. My name is Brad Galloway, I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and I am 50% of this here show. With me is the other half of the show, Carlos Rodella. What's up, Carlos? Hello, I'm here drinking my spectacular cola. Uh, with a K, and I'm I'm ready to podcast. <laughs> is that an official brand? Is it spectacular, like SK for short? No, it's spectacular, and then cola with a K, like K K O L A. Why is it K O L A? Is it made with different ingredients, or they just couldn't get the copyright to to, to cola itself? <laughs> I think the copyright exists for cola with a C, but um, no, it, it's this thing. It's like essentially supposed to be, I think, a mixer, but for me, I've always like used it as. A soda because it's like not uh, as bad for you. Interesting. Interesting you say that because I don't drink any alcohol, but I have been known to drink a few mixers from time to time. And I really like certain types of Tom Collins mix. It's like a real citrusy kind of a lemon soda thing, which is actually pretty good. And I used to buy it all the time, but then they changed the formula. I think it was like the Safeway brand was like really primo. Oh, weird. And then weird. they changed it. Yeah, and they changed it. I haven't found a good one yet, but I, I do like a mixer once in a while. Well, let me just say this real quick, because this is the soda podcast. Um, carbonated water, uh, agave something, organic agave, I guess. Extracts mm-hmm. of vanilla, caramel, lemon, lime, orange, cinnamon, cloves, and nutmeg. That's like every ingredient on my shelf, dude. And one drink. And also there's caffeine at the end of it. So like, it's not like <laughs> a lot of caffeine. It's pretty great. Is this the soda podcast or is it the soda popcast? Uh, or is the cola cast with a K? Podcast with a K. I don't know. Uh, okay, anyway, video moving games, on. Video games. Video games, video games. Folks, today is a microsode, just a really quick in and out. Uh, we wanted to get something up on uh, the channel, on the airwaves, out into the universe, and we didn't have time for a big show, so we're doing a small show, better something than nothing. Uh, one game apiece, and then we're out seat. Carlos, uh, do you want to go first? I will. If, if you want me to. I would like you to. Go for it. All right. Uh, Microsode. One episode one episode apiece. Oh, one wow, episode apiece. Oh, God. That's our longest show ever, then. <laughs> That'd be like three hours. Um, that's too much. Too one much. game apiece, and my game is uh, Sakura Wars. Oh, man. I knew I was going to fuck it up. <laughs> Sakura Wars. Sakura Wars. Sakura Wars. I get you. I get you. It's, uh, I, I know the game you're talking about. It's kind of uh, came out recently, the latest in a long-running series. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that I've ever played one, though. Why don't you uh, fill us in and tell us all about it, sir? I can't get past the pronunciation. Because I hear I just heard it in the anime that's in the game. And I think they say Sakura. Sakura. Yeah, like that. And, yeah, but, yeah. But you could, you know, like butcher it like I do. And I say Sakura Wars, which is probably fucked. So Sakura Wars, let's call it. Uh, is a game that has been uh, many games before this. There was like um, a bunch of them developed by this company called Red Entertainment. And this is the first one that's published and developed by Sega. Uh, And actually, the original game um, was on the Saturn, the Sega Saturn. So it's definitely a series, and it takes place in a Japanese steampunk era, which is very interesting, and it's supposed to be like an alternate reality of the 40s and 50s. 
I was going to say, to be clear, this is fiction, correct? Because <laughs> this is based. I don't on know about Jap- Japan's secret steampunk history. I mean, do they are they hiding robots back there? They could be. Oh, I'm sure they are. Uh, and also, this is yes, this is based on real life. But uh, it's it's a it's a really weird mix of a game, and there's so many games like this where I don't know how to categorize them because there are many things. So what this game is is an action RPG. It's a little bit visual novel. It's a little bit dating sim. I was waiting for the dating sim. Yeah, but not like heavily. And it's a little bit mini open world segments where you walk around and kind of explore and find collectible things. So it's a lot of things. Um, But I'll say this. The story is really interesting where you are a Navy ensign who gets hired to lead this troop of women uh, as it does as as, as you do as you as do. happens in real life of course uh, and the troop of women um they are called the imperial uh combat review flower division sure because of reasons and there's these combat divisions of mechs essentially and so they're a kind of uh you know version of these mech um troops but they also uh they also put on plays in the theater. When they're not in their mechs. Right, which is a lot of times. Like, mostly they're putting on plays. Like, this <laughs> game is about theater. And you start the game by, you know, they're like, okay, you got to help these ladies, like, um, put on the show. And first things first, go be the ticket person. Like, just collect tickets. From like, go sell then. tickets? Are you serious? Yeah. And I'm like, I think that's beneath me. But, oh, my God. Oh, my God. But it's this a is, game. This is so JJRPG, dude. Like, <laughs> well, I, I was kind of in with the mechs, but selling tickets are kind of losing me. Well, hold on, I'm, I'll bring you back in. And also, right. there's definitely like feelings and elements of Persona. So if you like Persona, there's feelings of that kind of in this game. But there's, it's. I don't think you're going to be into it because it's super dialogue heavy. And I know that you like visual novel stuff, but this is more like it doesn't. It's it's skirting in between both. So you like think that you're going to get to action, but then you don't, and it's a lot more dialogue. But essentially, mm. after you help like you know get them ready for their first like production of a play, you realize they suck, and they basically like fall <laughs> all over the place. And the audience is like, "What are we watching?" And you just realize that you've got to like majorly retool this whole production. And then demons attack, and you're like, "Well, hold on, let's put this theater thing on hold. We got to go fight these demons." Because we have mechs downstairs in the basement. Of course. Of because course. this so is the show, what you do. Do people get refunds if you have to go fight demons in the middle of a show? No, we finished the show. We finished that oh, damn okay, show. Oh, okay, okay. It well, was, was polite terrible. for the demons to wait till after the curtain call. Then. No, 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 no. They, I mean, they were around probably. But we, we finished the show like troop, troopers. And, uh, and we went to go fight demons. Okay, so like I was saying, a lot of dialogue. You're kind of immediately making choices, right? There's decision trees. You're saying I kind of like this girl, or I don't like this girl. So that well, dating let me ask. Let me ask you, man. I yeah. love visual novels, but like whenever a game like this comes up, it's like uh, I'm trying to say this in like a way that's not going to offend like a million people because I have feelings on this shit. But it's like there are certain kinds of dialogue where it drives the story forward. You care about the characters. You're really invested in what's going on. And then there's this other kind of dialogue where it's like people just like tee hee all the time. They talk about their favorite desserts. 
everybody's really shy and embarrassed about, you know, maybe like doing a little kiss or something. And it's just really trite and boring and just really super verbose. Mm. So where does this dialogue fall? Is it like, do you give a shit about the characters or is it just like, oh, my God, you saw me in my nighty. Oh, I'm so <laughs> embarrassed. And now I can't fight in my mech because now I'm shy. Like, is it that kind of shit or like what kind of stuff is it? That's the first thing they say. I like literally meet the ladies and they're like, oh, don't look at me. I'm in my nighty. No, they don't. Are you kidding? No, they don't. Um, okay, good. Okay. Because <laughs> it wouldn't have surprised me. Would not have surprised me if you I said know. that's what it was. Okay, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Here's two things. One, I have, was just watching, before we started recording, um, one of my favorite shows of all time, Terrace House. And if you watch that show, it's a reality show. It's actually probably the best reality show because there's no like over-the-top bullshit. It's actually just people doing stuff in a house, and it's, like, it's pretty great. But in that, you see Japanese culture, and you see that people react differently to confrontation uh you know japanese people specifically and so a lot of these games i know are based and developed by you know this kind of japanese way of life and i would say that while some of that what we just said oh no don't look at me in my nighty is over the top i think a lot of it's based in reality because like i'll like i won't outwardly say i like a girl but i'll be like well why don't we do this thing over here and while we as Westerners would see that as like being timid and silly uh, or trite, like it's really probably based on reality and like how Japanese people deal with each other in confrontation, at least from what I'm seeing in, in shows. Um, go ahead to that. But but do you care about it? Like as you're going through it, I mean, I get I get that there's definitely a cultural difference. Some things that are normal here are not normal there and vice versa. And I, I get that. I mean, we're, Americans are definitely a, a much different culture. But as you, as Carlos Rodella, sitting at your home playing through this, I mean, are you sitting there like rolling your eyes? Are you clicking the button as quickly as you can to get through it? Or do you actually like hang on every word? Are you agonizing over decisions? Like, do you give a shit about it or do you not? Yeah, I, I and I know that's really important. I would just bring up the other part because I think it's, it's hard to see one without the other because if I see this game, yeah, I just see that being like why the choices aren't as meaningful or impactful. But to, to instead of jumping around to your question, no, I don't feel anything for anybody right now. <laughs> so that's uh, that's the actual answer. But <laughs> I love how you were trying to answer that so politically. You were really working well, it's hard not to give politically. me like a very... it's, it's I'm trying to tell you why I think it's happening because like. <laughs> They're, they're not giving me the opportunity. Here's my point. It, it's to your point and to mine. Maybe it's based on culture and maybe it's based on the, the way the game is developed itself, right? But I think that they're just not giving me the opportunity to care. Because I think if you're going to ask that question about, like, early on, you can, like, say you want to go out with a, on a date with a girl. You just met this girl. So just right. wait fucking 12 hours or five hours into the game or something and then do that date thing. Which would actually be more in line with what I was just talking about. So, yeah, no, I don't give two shits. Um, but here's what I do care about, and this is how I'll end this review. Okay. This, this is a weird game. Uh, it, it's got so many elements going on, but the action in the mechs is fun as shit. It is okay. like, yeah, it like switches up, and you're like in a whole other world for some reason, you know, demon reasons. And, you know, you're going and fighting in this like, kind of almost a platformy area like it really feels like you have to jump around and you have like this turbo jump and all these moves and it feels like the tactile kind of like uh, like when you hit other enemies and kind of like a light slow motion when you you know clear out a bunch of them kind of a dynasty warriors feel 
Uh, and it just feels great. Like it feels fucking fun. And then it pauses for some anime moments and dialogue and other mechs come in and you got to talk with them for a minute. And there's a boss at the end and I beat my first boss. So I did kind of like all the things they wanted me to experience in this game. And I felt great about that. I was like, I want more of that because it felt so fun. And then when it finished, it said it gave me a preview for like essentially next episode. So like the episode was over and it did like an anime intro to a teaser of what's going to come next, which was kind of fun. Like I, I liked that. I was like, oh, that thing's going to happen with that character. You know, maybe we'll finally get this theater production going. And I really, yeah, it was interesting. So that all, all said, it's like many games that I will start reviewing on this podcast. A lot of these super, like, uh, I don't want to say convoluted, but games with lots of different systems, I can't care about or I, do, I can't get invested in because I don't know what I'm supposed to, like, where's my direction? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, like, I mean, I think that's a skill with game design. I mean, if you're going to meld a bunch of systems together, there has to be a through line or you have to, like, walk your player, you know, along that path so that they, they connect with all the systems and get value out of them. I mean, I hope it's not just throwing everything plus the kitchen sink in there just so they have a bunch of stuff. I mean, I hope it all gels together. Do you feel like it's really of a piece or do you feel like you're just, like, doing, like, discrete modes separate from each other? Well, here's what I'm going to say, and this is... I think my final review, because it's not a score, it's not a review, it's just a confusion. <laughs> my review is <laughs> confusion. But, like, I'm looking at right now the Neptunia series, which has always baffled me. I'm, like, going into a lot of series that I, Ugh, I've, I've never understood. I know there's problems with it. But the, all the, the kind of systems and games I've never understood, I want to look at them and try them out. So, similar to that one, similar to some other ones, there's a market for it. So, I think it's like other pieces of media that, you know, neither of us are into people like that style of game, which is I'm for styles of game, <laughs> you know, but for me, that's, I mean, I mean, I hear you saying, but I wonder if it's not really so much about the multiple styles of game, but when you're talking about something like, I mean, I haven't played soccer wars, so I can't say, but I mean, with the dating sim, I've seen pictures. I can get an idea. I have played some of the Neptunia, Neptunia, excuse me, Neptunia series. Um, I think there's just like a certain gamer out there that is just like really horny for a waifu and they will buy any game that has anime girls, the younger, the better. And I feel like that's where that game kind of falls into. Well, and Neptunia I series, not... but not, I want to make sure that clear that that's not what this is. I mean, if it was, you'd be waiting. You might as well just go to the Internet and use Google because that's like it's like I was playing the game for four hours, you know, and like I didn't get any sort of like sexy action. It was more like. I just battled a lot with really, you know, cool mechs. Right. Well, that's cool. That's cool. I mean, I just, I like some of these games. I'm just like, I, I feel like there's not really a lot of value other than R generic RPG grinding. Right. And like really sad dudes, like obsessing over anime girls that are never, ever, ever going to come to life. And I just like that genre is just so boring to me. Like, I just feel like there's nothing of value there. And I'm sure uh, the floodgates for angry emails are going to just come flying open. We're going to get all sorts of hate mail after me saying this, but I got to be real, dude. Like, I feel like that section of gaming is so dull and so stagnant. So you feel like you feel like soccer wars is not in that bucket. No. And that's what was so weird about it. Like, it's it's like flirting with that bucket, you know, like if there were two buckets <laughs> and that bucket you're talking about was next to the other bucket, they'd be like, what's up? Um, how's it going? You come here often. What's you, your sign? You bucket. No, oh, there's a good. There's a good. Oh, there's a jo there's a joke there's a waiting joke there, there, but I don't yeah. know that we're there yet. 
I'll scratch you off my bucket list. Okay, that's not uh, it. We're going to workshop it. Um, this game is weird. I can't put my finger on it. I think there's a market for it. I don't think it's the market of, you know, horny boys looking for action in their game. And I don't know <laughs> I don't know why, but it, it's it's a game that exists. <laughs> the review <laughs> review of Sakura Wars. It's a game that exists. Excellent. Excellent. I love that review. That is this is a game that exists. <laughs> it definitely does. Oh goodness. Okay. All right. Any final thoughts or should we move on? Let's move on. I, I will revisit though and say that this is kind of like an intro to Carlos Goes Visits Lots of Weird Games on the video game consoles because I want to I want to see more and understand more. Excellent, excellent. We will come back to this game, I am sure. Um just one game for me tonight as well. Uh, I am going to be talking about The Eternal Castle Remastered on Switch. This just came out on Switch uh, a couple days ago. Not more than a week, I don't think. Uh, It's also on PC. It's been on PC for a while. Um, I want to say maybe six months or a year. Not sure exactly. Um, But this just came out on Switch, and I wanted to check it out. At first, I was fooled because I thought this was a truly remastered game that maybe I had just never heard of. I thought maybe it was from, like, I don't know, the Commodore 64 or something from way back in the day, and I just didn't know about it. Not true. It is actually a brand new game that is made to look like an old school game from the late 80s, early 90s. And apparently the developers kind of went through a little bit of like PR smoke and mirrors, where for a while I think they were trying to portray it as an actual like lost game that was rediscovered and they were trying to get some intrigue built up but i mean i believe the truth is it is just a brand new game that is done as an homage to old school rotoscoped side-scrolling animation games such as um the original uh you know jordan mechner prince of persia or flashback or out of this world out of this world i was gonna say oh that gave me so good yeah, so like one of those games, I bet a lot of people listening to this podcast might not have encountered any of those games, although you can get most of them on the Switch or on other some sort of download service. They're around, you can find them, uh, but those games back in the day spent a lot of time on animation before people really kind of figured out certain things, certain design principles, they were really kind of experimenting with game styles, and the rotoscope, so rotoscoping is in case you don't know, because people don't really do it a lot anymore. It's an old animation technique where you would film somebody in real life, a real person doing a thing. And then you would kind of like through some film process, you would trace their outline. And then you would use that tracing as the basis of your animation in a game or a movie. Um, A lot of uh, animation studios back in the day did this. And uh, not too many, but some game studios were like exploring this as a way to, up their animation game. I think it eventually proved to be a dead end since no one really does it anymore, but it did make its mark back in the day. I think the real downsides of this technique are that the animations are usually not interruptible and they usually are very slow and and drawn out. So for example, um, if you haven't played the original very first Prince of Persia, not the Ubisoft one where he was like jumping off and parkouring and stuff. I mean, excuse me, the one, the original one way back in the day, I think it's like 89 or something like that uh you would you'd be like in this side scrolling platforming game and you would have to know how many frames of animation your prince would have to go through before he jumped because you would have to like know ahead of time how far back to push the button because you could not like run forward and then push the button at the edge of a ledge and then jump because he would just start his animation cycle you would have to be like oh i gotta push the jump button maybe like 
two seconds before I actually want to jump because by the time two seconds rolls through, he will have completed his jumping animation and then he will actually jump two seconds in the future when I need him to jump. It's a really awkward, clunky, chuggy sort of just not great for... um, for control, not great for gameplay. It looks amazing. Like when you're watching somebody do like a perfect run on YouTube, you're like, man, this looks so great. It looks like so fluid yeah. and beautiful. The animations are great. But when you're playing, it's just really hard to control. It's difficult. Um, it's up, like timing. Yeah, it's all about just like timing, like timing when to push your button because you don't push it when you need it. You need to push it before you need it, jumping before you need to jump and like knowing how your character is going to animate. And if you make a mistake, like you're committed to the animation, like you can't back out of it, can't cancel uh, not great in terms of gameplay. So that's what that's what this uh, the Eternal Castle is kind of paying an homage to. These developers, I think it's three three people who developed this game, said that they were very much fans of that kind of old school Prince of Persia style game when they were growing up, and they wanted to make one that was something they wished they would have played when they were younger. So they kind of took that that style, that rotoscoped animation style, and made a brand new game of it. But they've infused it with like modern design sensibility. Um, a little bit more depth than those other games had. And it looks totally like an homage to those games. And you could easily mistake it for something from back in the day. But it is a brand new uh, brand new experience. So I, I checked this out. If you haven't seen the trailer for The Eternal Castle, I recommend everybody pause the podcast. Go check out the trailer on YouTube because the trailer is badass. It's so amazing. Like, I was sold immediately when I saw this trailer. And I don't even like this style of game. I, I hate the rotoscoped animation games. They're not fun to play. I don't like them. But I'm like, oh, my God. I got to play this. I got to play this. Um, the colors and the artistry and um, the design visually is just like 10 out of 10. Like it is, it's so strong. It's so beautiful. Even though your character is basically like a silhouette and you're going through levels that are like two or three colors, there's no textures on anything. It's just like flat shading and really chunky uses of blacks and turquoise and pink and orange. Like it's, it looks like somebody ripped a page out of an abstract coloring book, but it looks so great in motion. Um, the animation's really smooth. Uh, the stylized uh, graphics are just enough detail so that you know what's going on, but not enough detail that you're focused on it. Like, it's just like giving you the suggestion of where you are the whole time, but it's it's a strong enough suggestion that you're always down with what's going on and you know what's happening. Can I can I, I make, love- can I jump in real quick? Yeah, yeah. I gotta yeah. talk about this uh, this coloring because when we're talking about the graphics of it, um, I saw some of your tweets and stuff, and like, yeah, they look it looks really cool, and I definitely probably will check it out. But this is for all the old people listening to the podcast. Um, this game is CGA, so if you know what that means, then you're <laughs> of my age or older, and uh, which I'm sure is like three people. But CGA is like. So when we had to make computers back in the day, we'd just make our own. I guess some people still do that, obviously, but we had to back then, and we put them together, and we get a, a video card like we some people do today still. But the video card, like the best top of the line at, for a while, was CGA, which is the color scheme that you see in this game. So all of the games that you played forever, anytime, ever, were this color. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's somebody on Twitter asked me when the EGA version was coming out, and I thought that was yeah, a yeah. They, then there was EGA, which added more colors. Then there was VGA, which VGA. was the fucking future, and we were like <laughs> blown away when VGA came out. Totally, but yeah, totally. but so there's a little bit that I, I mean, I haven't played it yet, and I like the rotoscope idea, even though 
you're you're turned off by that. I kind of like that, but it's just it is a little. It turns me off in a little way because I dealt with that for so long. I'm like, why would I go back to CGA? I mean, I agree, and I think that you know, I mean, it's definitely like an artistic choice, right? Like these guys are very intentional about what they're doing. They're very they're they are recreating a very specific period in game history where games were a certain way because of technical limitations and they are, they're working in that same style. You know, it's like, mm. it's like when a filmmaker decides to work in a particular, with particular limitations, like on a certain camera or in a certain type of film, or they will not use CG. Like they want a very distinct quality. It's kind of the same idea here. These guys are like auteurs yeah. who are absolutely on track for this thing that they want to reproduce. And they've nailed it. I mean, they've totally nailed it. I mean, if you don't like this sort of thing, um, if you're a modern player and you look at this and you're like, what the fuck is this mess? I can't even, what this looks like puke to me. It's possible. It can't um, look like puke. That would you. be EGA. <laughs> I can, I can easily imagine a lot of modern players not liking the control first off, because that control is definitely a thing. And I can easily understand a lot of people being like looking at the graphics and going, no, 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 thank you. No. But if you know what they're going for and you understand it or you can appreciate it, or if you're just even open to different experiences, indie games, art house games, um, I think this game is so beautiful. Like the way that the colors shift and their use of shading is just like genius. I mean, there are certain um, clips you can look at my Twitter feed. You might have to go back a little bit by the time this episode is posted, but I posted a couple of videos on my Twitter feed, a bunch of screenshots a couple of days ago. I was just so taken with how this game looks like it is just so gorgeous. Uh, I love it. Um, uh, so what do you do? You do also platform from mostly left to right. You do some combat, which is kind of chunky and chuggy the way that it was back then. But uh, each section, there's five sections in the game. Each one is kind of like its own little self-contained side story. There is an overall narrative, which is really hard to understand. And it's really vague. And the developers don't really put a lot of effort in like telling that story. I think it's just more about like seeing it, feeling it, the experience, the tone, the mood. It's not really about the narrative. Uh, but each level is its own take on this form. Like one level is more of a stealth level. One level is more of like a shooty level. One level is more of like a punchy level uh, and so forth and so on. So they do a little bit of a spin each level that you go in. There's also some little extra bonuses. Like you can find special equipment that gives your person more durability, better aiming, you know, increases your chances of survival. There's also little pickups you can find uh, that will give you a secret ending if you find them all. I did not find them all the first time. But I enjoyed this game so much that I decided to just restart and, and go for all of those things. That's not something I do very often, but it's a short game. I was going to ask, how all, long is it? The first time through, I want to say it was like maybe five hours, maybe a little bit less. Mm. Um, but now that I know what I'm doing and now I know how the game systems work, um, I'm flying through it. I mean, you could probably finish this whole game. I mean, speedrunners could probably finish this game in 15 minutes or something. So once you know what you're doing it's a lot easier and you just blow through it. But when you're going through your first time, you're exploring, you're not sure what you can interact with. You're not sure how to beat some of the bosses, etc., etc. Um, so it's a short, brief experience. It does not overstate its welcome. It delivers a lot of good ideas. It delivers a lot of action. I love the scenery. I love how it feels. Love how it looks. I just, I think it's great. I mean, it's a little tiny bit buggy on the switch. I had a few problems with bugs, nothing major. Although I will say, um, on my final run through the game, right as I was about to watch uh, the cutscene after beating the boss, the game crashed and I did not get to see the cutscene. Oh, kind of a bummer, but I did see it on YouTube and I'm going to replay the game and I will hopefully it will not crash on me the second time. Um, so a little bit buggy, but not serious. Uh, I still recommend it very highly. If you like indie games, you like art house games, you like 
just strange experiences. I mean, I think it's a real feather in the Switch's cap that this is in their library because, yeah. I mean, this is exactly the kind of thing that broadens a game. Uh, you know, it enriches the library. Like, it's not, you know, it's something different. It's something wild. I think there's real value to it. And it's not for everybody, which is fine, but I think it's really, really well done. I think it's just great, and I, I kind of love it. Yeah, and I was kind of joking when I said <laughs> I'm turned off by the graphics because it's obviously like a, it is a sore spot in my history of like shit. We oh, have no sure, better graphics, sure. but it, when they're do like you said, they're using it like a paintbrush. They're they're deciding that this is the style that we want to tell the story in, and I'm with you a thousand percent in that. And people listening should know I want to play all the weird things, and I'm so happy when more weird or independent or different or whatever unique type stories and games are told on different platforms so i'm really excited it's out there i will definitely download it uh especially now that you told me it's shorter i like the idea of that and kind of can get oh yeah it quickly. oh yeah it's like four or five hours your first time through and this is way out there on the fringe as far as the switch goes i mean this is i'm, I'm so glad this is on the switch i'm so glad i played it i'm so glad i checked it out i think i want to say it's like 15 bucks brand new it may be a couple bucks knocked off it's also on steam uh if you are an art art style gamer, a graphics gamer, an indie gamer. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm betting there's a better than fair chance you're probably going to like this game. I I love this game. I think it's really great. I'm so glad I played it. So I definitely a recommendation for the Eternal Castle remastered, playing it on Switch, and I love it on Switch. Downloading it tonight. Excelente. Um, That's basically it for the games chat. Carlos, did you have any little uh, final bits before we wrap up here? Yeah, 30 minutes. Nice. Microsoft in and out. Uh, I'll say that I just uh, maybe five, six days ago, I beat uh, Trials of Mana. Oh, man. How did that end up for you? It was great. Uh, 22 hours it took me. I, I heard that it, like the minimum was 30, so I guess I went through it quicker. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely near the end, I kind of made a beeline for that ending. <laughs> you know, like I went, I, I uh, find a new town or something, and I'd be like, yeah, no time. Can't talk. <laughs> Like, no NPCs. Get out of here. I got to go right to whatever the star is that says get to the next section. So, um, yeah, super long cutscenes. Um, I can't say any of them because they're spoilers, but I was very happy with how it ended with my characters. And, uh, yeah, that's I can see why if you wanted to play it again, you'd see the different endings for different characters. And they would actually mean more because sometimes I would see an ending to a character and I have no idea what their whole storyline was. Right, um, right. But that being said, it was a great experience. It was from when we mentioned it first on this podcast, me being excited about the demo, I never got bored with the combat. I mean, 22 hours straight through, always had fun with it. Uh, Got a little struggle in the middle where they're ramped up the difficulty, but then that kind of smoothed out. And I felt always, oh, I'd like to say this. I, I felt better and better about my abilities and how I upgraded. So when I got to the last two or three final bosses, I didn't feel scared. Like a lot of times in those RPGs, you're like, okay, they're going to switch it up on me. I, I'm underprepared. I got to go grind for 15 hours. No, I was ready. And I felt really good about my chances, and I beat it. Uh, beat the final boss on my first try. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that game. I think if you like action RPGs that are, uh, I don't want to say simple, but harken back to the olden days, and you really just want to relax with an action RPG, Trials of Mana, great Man, Square Enix, like, they should cut you a check because you have been, like, 
like talking about this game for I feel like at least like six years. I mean, you've really been like at least like, plugging it. And I'm glad you finally finished it. But I do have just one question for you, just real briefly. No, Microsoft got to keep it short. But I do have to know. Um, 22 hours is not the longest game, and it's certainly not long by JRPG standards. Although for me personally, I would really pause before thinking about jumping back into something that was 20 hours long. I mean, the Eternal Castle, you can probably speed run in 15 minutes. I'm getting through it in about an hour. One hour compared to 22 hours. Do you feel like you're going to go back through it again to see some of that extra content? Or are you going to move on? Moving on. <laughs> like the name of our, like Fair our, enough. we say on our show. Yeah, there's no way I'd go back. I, I, I can see that people would want to because if you can finish this in 20, 24 hours and you know you want to see the other stories you could and um and you know what to do now this you know the second time through but no i don't need to i i generally as a rule never play an rpg more than once like i i don't think i've ever played any rpg more than once okay yeah Yeah, i have never Uh, earthbound was the first one i played two times and that's because i had to because like i played it when i was younger and then i had to play it later but no i i don't do that like witcher I spent what, especially Witcher. I spent like two hundred hours. Oh yeah, that's hours. long as hell, dude. You're not gonna yeah. you're gonna have to like play that like when you're retired or something. Like when you want to like revisit the memories. That's not something you just casually restart. So. Or I'll just play Witcher four. I, right, totally. Yeah, totally. Uh, and one more thing I want to say is that um, I uh, am going to restart doing these gifts. I've been doing these gifts of video game stuff, and it's really ridiculous, dude. Just on a personal note, like I've done a lot of shows over the years. And I just noticed uh, as I was researching my Imgur page, which is imgur.com uh, slash user slash a lot of things eight, rolls off the tongue, I know. It's very catchy. I like it. Thank you. Um, it I have more views on that profile than like the, the views on me interviewing Snoop Dogg. Like, like <laughs> it's ridiculous. And by the way, the, the one of the GIFs has like, I don't know, 2 million views or something. And it's wow. It's of like me just shooting people and turning them into cows. And then you're like, Oh yeah. Or I could like interview Snoop and yeah, guess what? The cow gif wins. So, well, you know, it is the internet. It is the internet. I don't think any of us can explain it. No, we can't. I bring it up because I'm restarting those gifts and, um, I'm sure a lot of the games we talk about on this podcast will go in there as gifts and saints row. The third, is the remastered versions coming out this Friday? Yeah, at five twenty-two, and I'm downloading it because I'm a sucker for any sort of GTA open world bullshit. And the and the graphics look really good, like really, really good. So absolutely not my favorite Saints Row, but I know a lot of people are very excited for it. Yeah, I'm just gonna make a ton of gifts, and so that's why I bring it up. And also, that is that is extremely gifable. It is a GIF heavy game. It's a GIF fucking factory is what that is. Yeah. So if you are were interested in Saints Row, it's kind of like a PSA as well. The remastered graphics look fucking amazing. So just know it comes out this Friday. All right. Thank you for the PSA. And that is it for this microsode. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, let's wrap it up. Uh, folks, before we go, you know we love to get your questions and comments. If you would like to uh, send us anything, hit us up. So video games podcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at so video games, but you can hit us up individually. Carlos, where can people find you this week? Imgur.com slash user slash a lot of things eight. (laughs) (laughs) I made you snort. You made me snort. All right. Find, find Carlos there. If you can, uh, for me, same as it is every week on Twitter, Instagram, B R A D G A L L A W A Y. 
all A's, no O's, and that's going to do it for episode 181, another microsode. Thank you, folks, for joining us here at So Video Games, and we'll be back before you know it. In the meantime, this is Bye From Brad. And this is I'm Tired of Hearing What Joe Rogan Thinks About Things, Carlos. <laughs> <laughs>